Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Series 5, Episode 3 of Out with Susie Ruffle. Hello. I hope that you are having a good week wherever you are. I am in London, as, as I normally am, and I've been really enjoying the fact that the weather is getting nicer. I was out in the park earlier this morning and it was simply glorious. So more of those days, please, if anyone that's listening has any sort of control over the weather, I'd really appreciate that. As ever, I've got a fantastic conversation to share with you today with the brilliant Nathan Fode. I love him. If you're not aware of him, I think you might be about to fall in love with him too. I think he is so brilliant and I think the work that he creates is so exciting. He's a writer and a performer and an actor and I just think he's great. His new show, Newick Newick, is brilliant. We talk a lot about that and a lot about the other acting jobs that he's got coming up. So I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, I, I just loved chatting to him. As ever, I've got some Oh, my cat's just walked in. Now, on another podcast, I might think, oh no, I'm going to cut it. But I feel like maybe the listeners of this podcast won't mind too much. Velma, are you going to be quiet or can I finish this bit? Okay, I'm going to have to put her out. One sec. Sorry about that. What was I saying? Oh yes, I was saying, as ever, I've got some fantastic listener emails to share with you. And we've been receiving gorgeous messages um, at the beginning of the series, like we always do. The email is hello at outwithsusieruffle.com. Please do get in touch with me. I'm also on Instagram. Um, and I am on Twitter, but I don't really like Twitter. So I'm I probably am not on there very much. When I say probably, I know that I'm not on there very much. So if you want to get in touch with me, the email is the best. As I said, it's hello at outwithsusieruffle.com. Okay, before we get to Nathan's fantastic conversation, let's share a couple of emails. Hey, Susie. Been a huge fan of the podcast from the start and love to listen every week. I identify pretty discreetly as non-binary. When I say discreetly, I mean I've never come out and not in the way that people might assume, but merely because I've never felt the need to. Not that it's something that I hide. I love to talk about it when it comes up naturally in conversation. My gender identity at this point in my life is so non-specific that I've never been bothered by being called a certain pronoun or addressed as a certain gender. I feel this inhabitants of the term non-binary is one that is not placed on a platform and people always seem to be interested when I talk about my gender identity. I feel my own identity of not belonging to a singular binary, male or female, but instead almost feeling part of both at once. This is not an angle of the non-binary experience that gets a lot of attention or focus in the more general conversations of non-binary existence. I often feel alone in this and would love to share the hope that someone else may feel comforted and validated by my same feelings. I love talking about gender identity and exploration of my own identity is something that brings me so much joy. I'm lucky that the nature of my identity means that gender euphoria is far more common than dysphoria, making exploration of my own gender so much fun. I think talking about this joy is so important at a point in time where the conversations relating to the same subject are almost always focused on negativity and struggles. Anyway, I hope this makes sense and I would love you to share it. And that is from Art Student G. 
and they have also given me some suggestions which I will take on board and I'll see what I can do. Thank you so much for your message. I really appreciate it. And I think that's a wonderful thing to share, that that gender euphoria is happening to you a lot more than gender dysphoria. And um, I hope that I'll be able to encourage more people to come on the podcast that share those feelings. Okay, let's have another one. Dear Susie, your podcast was introduced to me seven months ago by my girlfriend. She is such a big gay, and after only fairly recently coming out, she has been absorbing all the queer culture she can, including your entire back catalogue. I am now a converted fan, starting with the people I know and then backtracking to those I don't. I've found the stories heartwarming, funny and informative, and it is incredible to know that there are people out there that share my story. However, this story is not about me. Unfortunately, my girlfriend and I have recently made the difficult decision to part ways. I say part ways, in true lesbian tradition, we are continuing to live together as we have a wonderful house by the sea and neither of us are inclined to leave. I also think that it will work. We have such respect and care for each other that I cannot see that fading. Plus, we both haven't finished watching the L word together yet. What has pulled us apart is not a lack of love, but life circumstances that we aren't able to work right now. Life works in mysterious ways, but I know deep down in my soul that we are supposed to be connected. I wanted to write to you because she's not doing so well at the moment and I wanted her to know that she's not alone. Not just because I am here, but because she is connected to this amazing community that you have created here with your wonderful podcast and the wider LGBTQIA world. I think your discussions have been crucial in her evolution to the wonderful, strong, amazing woman that she is. Living in the world as queer people, we have an extra layer of stress to work through and she manages that on top of everything else. She really is a wonder woman, even if she doesn't feel it. Maybe if she hears it from you, she might believe it. Thank you for all you do. Best wishes. And that's from Amy. First off, Amy, thank you so much for your message. I'm so pleased that you got in touch and I'm delighted that you are now a converted fan. Um, I really appreciate the kind things that you said about the show and I am sending so much love to your ex-partner, friend, whose name you haven't given, but I hope that you and her continue to enjoy your life by the seaside together in whatever way works for you. Okay, let's get on to today's conversation. As I mentioned before, it's the brilliant Nathan Fode, and I really hope you enjoy it. I am so delighted to welcome Nathan Fode to Out Today. If this is your first introduction to him, get ready to love him. A writer, an actor, and one of my favourite people on the internet. His brand new show, Newark Newark, comes to UK Gold and Now TV this spring. It's a semi-biographical sitcom about a teen boy coming to terms with who he is in the town of Newark and finding his way in his slightly unconventional family. It's very funny. I loved it. I highly recommend it. It also stars Morgana Robinson and Matt Horn. You must see it. And he's also in the soon-to-be-released HBO Max pirate comedy, Our Flag Means Death, starring Rory Kinnear. Or you might have seen him in Sky series Bloods with Jane Horrocks. I mean, basically, he's rubbing shoulders with people that we want to be friends with constantly. As the listeners know, sometimes I just interview people who I really want to become friends with, and this is exactly what's happening today. I think he's so funny, I think he's so brilliant, and I think it's a joy to have him on the show. Welcome, Nathan. Susie Ruffell, my God, what a nice intro. That was beautiful. Well, listen, it's all true. Oh, hey. I mean, one of your... Twitter videos sort of did the rounds on my friendship WhatsApp groups. <laughs> I'm like, who is this guy and why is he funnier than all of us? Oh, come on. <laughs> and we're all stand-ups. <laughs> we must find him and kill him. And, and you did, and, <laughs> and that's did. what that how the podcast is going to end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Nathan's a ghost. I should yeah. mention that at the top. <laughs> um, but how are you? I'm really great, actually. I'm feeling good. 
I feel like the weather's getting nicer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel kind of happier. Yeah, I'm great. How the hell are you? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, we're in person. So we we did like two in person and then we all know what happened. Mm. So this is my first one back. So I'm very excited to see you. Oh my God, you too, mate. And it is it's so nice. nice to like, I feel like I've, I've done a couple of podcasts over Zoom and it's always kind of fine. You yeah. know, you can make it work, but it's just so much nicer to do it in person. It's really nice to meet people face to face. Yeah, right? Absolutely. So it feels like you're having... Like, normally we go through the show sort of chronologically of people's lives, but let's just talk about, like, the now. It feels like you're having a real moment. Does it feel like you're having a moment? Oh, wow. Yes, (laughs) I suppose... Yeah, the non-humble answer is, like, yes, I had, like, a great year, and it feels, as I was saying to you before we started, like... I did a bunch of stuff that is just about to come out. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, probably... <laughs> hi to people who don't know who the hell I am. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I did the HBO show and, and obviously my show Newark, um, yeah. Newark, which I'm so proud of. It's all about to come out. So it feels like, yeah, I'm in the middle of something cool. And I mean, you must know, you must have had a time where you were like, oh, sure, this feels good. And like, I'm moving yeah. on up and I'm finally getting to the place that I've wanted to be for so long. And Because you know. you've been writing for a while. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I... In doing sort of my internet deep dive on you, I read some of your blogs. Oh, you did? <laughs> which are really funny. Oh, thanks. Really funny. All the stuff about temping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just really enjoyable stuff. There was, oh, I don't know what you said about, there was something about how you couldn't stop sweating or something to do with <laughs> yeah, yeah. sweat. Uh, that was which a sweaty are, summer. Yeah, that was yeah. a sweaty summer. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've all had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know her. <laughs> oh my God, we know her. We love her. I, I'm so glad you read that. I forgot about those blogs, actually. I used to write them on my WordPress <laughs> when I um, was just like, I had nothing to do. It was like when I felt like I needed a creative outlet. And you know, it's so hard when you're like a comedian or a writer or whatever, and it's hard to... When, you, when you're making stuff and you sort of feel like everything you're doing is to try and make money or, you know, further your career and those blogs were just mm. like a pure source of like, I wasn't writing them for anything. It wasn't because I was hoping they'd get picked up to turn into a TV show or whatever. It was just like a pure expression of just what I was like feeling at the time. That's so silly. But I'm, yeah, I'm glad but they're really them. funny. Oh, they're thanks. really, really funny. I highly recommend. If you just Google Nathan Fode and then have a look, it'll really make you laugh. Oh I think it'll really make God. you laugh. So... Newark Newark is sort of semi-biographical, is that right? For sure, that's how I describe it, yeah. There are, there are certain, like, threads in the show. It's just like a half-hour sitcom, but there are certain, like, threads in it that are extremely autobiographical and then mm. I've kind of gone off because you know one's own life isn't normally interesting enough to just like directly translate <laughs> into like comedy so Mom, do you remember exactly what you said there? <laughs> yeah yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right. yes. and I keep having to explain to my family I'm like just so you know <laughs> like not everyone like my dad is nothing like the dad in the show right. like and I've had to make that very clear to him so he's not devastated when he watches yeah, things he's, he's not like, like sympathetic I have got a ponytail <laughs> <laughs> or has he? ponytail no he doesn't he's balls and coot um, but <laughs> Yeah, so I I kind of, I took certain threads from my life that I felt were like interesting or funny and used those. And then I fictionalized like a lot of it. Like my family, like Leslie, which is the name of the young boy in the show, um, he like, our family setups are actually very different. Like my parents are still together mm-hmm. and I have like brothers and stuff like that. But um, yeah, the kind of core of it, of that like main story between uh, Morgana's character and, and Jai's character um, is, is is pretty, pretty The mother on. and son. The mother and son. Mummy and, mummy and son, yeah. Which is really beautiful. Thanks, it's mate. Really I'm lovely. So, I have not had a lot of like feedback on the show apart from just all of us working on it, watching it. Um, and I got, you know, you get to the point with something where you're like, I think it's I think it's good. I really like it. I'm really yeah. proud of it, you know, and I just uh, now we just have to wait to see what people think, but I I had the time of my life doing it. 
That's so great. Aww. It's so nice. It's so great to hear when people have those experiences on something that is like, you know, because if you write something that's autobiographical or semi-autobiographical, it is like it's, or, or something that's totally, you know, miles from who you are, but it takes such a lot of work to get, first of all, to like get an idea on the page and then you send you send a one pager and then someone's like, maybe I'll look at a treatment. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll send a treatment. And then they're like, okay, fine, write a script. And you're like, okay, I've written one script. And then it's like, oh, okay, <sighs> we might shoot 10 minutes of this script. And then, oh, okay, write six scripts and then we'll let you know when we've read all of them if we're going to shoot them. It's such a yeah, long... Yeah, yeah. And then you hand them in and they're like, okay, so she's gone away for a six-week holiday Mauritius. So she's going to read when she gets back. And you're like... Yeah. <laughs> you Seven know, people like, are pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so everyone's always pregnant. Everyone's yeah. always on maternity leave. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that women can't go on maternity leave. They absolutely can. But it always seems to me that as soon as someone's like, I love your idea... I'm going to have six children on the bounce. And then <laughs> let me tell you, in nine years, me and you, we're going to make this baby. Yeah, yeah. When the quadruplets go to uni, I'll finally, you know. No, I, it's so funny. I'm actually. casting my granddaughter as <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting that you say that because maybe this is good for like, uh, you know, write, people who want to write the TV to hear. Like that was the exact process with mm. Newark. It's been, I think, the show, the very first iteration of the show got optioned by the production company who were making it, Balloon Entertainment. Um, like five or six years ago it's been like a long wow that's a long time oh a long old journey and and that's what's been nice about the show is that like Leslie and Maxine the mum and the son characters like they've been the mainstays of all of those the show's yes. gone through so many different iterations and the characters have been different ages and the setting's been slightly different and uh, but they've always remained really true and that and that core relationship is like very much based on me and me and my real life mum And so we've got like loads of international listeners. So can you sort of sum up Newark? Oh, yeah. Which is your hometown. Newark, upon Trent, baby. Newark is like, uh, I always say it's like a small working class market town in the East Midlands. So it's like in Nottinghamshire. It's like sort of between Nottingham and Lincoln, really. And when you say Um, a market town, do you, you, I know that you mean that once upon a time it would have been like, a trading mm-hmm. market town. So that would be, I'm just trying to like paint a picture for people that might have never been to a market town in the UK, in which case, guys, you've really got to get there. Yeah, you're missing out, guys. You, but, but like I'm thinking cobbled streets in some points, there'd be like maybe a big sort of, I was about to say lace market, but like um, corn exchange or something like that. Yeah. That's like a big old building where once upon a time people would have gone, I'll give you this cow if you give me that. Yeah, bed. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you're the old cow for beds. You know, the yeah. old cow, for, which again is a sitcom that I'm working on. <laughs> um, yes, no, that's actually pretty bang on. And Newark is an interesting one because as people will see when they watch the show, no, it's I said when, not if. Um, no, when they will, they, watch they will. The show, um, it's it's actually a very beautiful town. It's really mm. beautiful. It is like it's very like cobblestoned and very pretty, and a lot of like original kind of like Tudor architecture. It's very pretty, and there is like something like a corn exchange, mm. and um, so it's really visually beautiful. But it's also like there's not a lot of money in the town it's kind of like this little forgotten corner of the east i mean the east midlands in general is like a weirdly underserved part of the country i think Mm. like just even in terms of just like media representation like when like whenever i develop shows and i want to you know set shows set in the east midlands people are always very excited by that because it's like you know the west midlands people know birmingham and stuff and people know manchester and liverpool and they know bristol and london but it's kind of this like weird fallow part of the country like i always say I grew up in Newark. I lived there till I was 18. I always 
I felt like I grew up on like an island in the middle of the ocean. Do you know what I mean? It was like I felt so far away from mm. everything. It really you're so you're you're about as like slap bang in the middle of England as you can be, and it just feels like you're not. You do have this weird identity crisis growing up as like a Midlander, particularly an East Midlander, because people are like, "Where's that?" You know, people don't yeah. know what it is, like you know, and yeah. So I, it's 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 a funny town, and I, my relationship with it has really morphed over the years. Because growing up there as a teenager, I think a lot of people who grow up in like small towns, I was like, "This place is shit," up, you know, yeah. like whatever. <laughs> fucking hate it. Um, and I have a, you know, and I do have a complicated relationship with it, but now I can slightly more appreciate like it's very beautiful it's like it's and as i say really underserved like it's i I, oh god it was a few years ago you know the like the uh, the government do like a social mobility commission like every is it every year they do that i'm not sure but um in like i think it was like the 2017 social mobility commission knew out of all of the towns in i think great britain newark was the second worst in the whole of great britain for social mobility so it's like the, the schools aren't great yeah um and it's kind of, I know that like Nottinghamshire County Council, like they're all, they're trying to like revive Newark yeah. and like, and make, and I've been getting asked about that a lot in interviews yeah. and stuff. People are like, are you hoping this will like, but you know, like help Newark and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh God, I don't know. I'm just trying to make a silly TV yeah, show, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To like suddenly become like the poster boy of like the regeneration of a town. But I, I it'd be amazing if that did happen because I feel very fondly towards the town, you know. I did read an article of you is it like the Newark Observer the Newark the, Advertiser, the Newark Advertiser. <laughs> I'm so sorry if the editor's yeah, listening please, I'm sure <laughs> is a huge fan of the show um, it feels like this town's quite proud yeah that the show's been shot there mm-hmm. and that you're from there and that you're celebrating their home well yeah they've not fucking seen it yet that's the thing it's like it's like a, they're, they're, t- they're proud in both senses of the word like they're very proud of me and excited that a show is being made there but it's also just like a very proud town yeah. do you know what I mean and, and they and if anyone from Newark is listening hi I love you yeah. um, but yeah it's representing a whole town and it's my it's fault I, I called the show Newark Newark just because I thought the pun was funny <laughs> like it sounded like New York New York um, but I yeah I, I I hope people like it and I hope they feel represented, but also it's like you can't represent everyone. Do you know what I mean? I can't represent all young gay boys. I yeah. can't represent queer people. I can't represent all people from one town. Yeah. Um, and you know, you've, you've seen yeah. a bit of it now. It's quite a specific story about a specific family and, and I hope that people are able to find the universality within that. But I know? think that's all we can do as people that tell stories. And it's certainly what I try and do sort of... I think it's quite hard if you're a, a queer person in the media in that sometimes people do want you to be all things. Yeah, yeah. And I think all you can really do is is tell your story and hope that people find moments where they align. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Moments where they go, oh, okay, yeah, that, that moment resonates for me. Totally. And the rest of it I can just really enjoy, mm-hmm. which I'm sure, I'm sure it will. So let's talk about, I know that it's sort of semi-autobiographical, but let's talk about you as a young person yeah. in Newark. What were you like in sort of primary school the beginning of secondary school were you because i'm assuming that you were quite fun quite <laughs> cheeky oh, that's maybe nice. like the teachers would have liked you <laughs> quite quite studious but in a fun way oh my god I, well I, I was about to say that's really bang on that sounds like i've given myself a huge compliment but yeah i was that's pretty that's pretty much it i was definitely primary school i loved primary school i loved it i had a great time i was also I was a show off, you know. I was, sure. I was, a, I was a little. <laughs> you've heard of them. <laughs> oh, I know them. <laughs> Look yeah. in the mirror. Yeah. So I was, 
I, yeah, I was very, uh, you know, I was always like a joy to have in class. You know, I was that kid. Sure. Um, and I did, I did, I was very interested in drama and music and uh, I loved school. I was a really like happy kid. I was like, I, I was just like a sort of happy-go-lucky kid. And then, so I had a lovely time at primary school it was liked was popular mm. and then secondary school like thing i think as is the case for a lot of people if you're just a little bit different i suppose secondary school is where things took a bit of a nosedive and that wasn't as fun mm-hmm. which you know i i went to i won't name any names but i went to a secondary school in newark for a year and then i've got <laughs> so lame but i got so badly bullied that i had to leave so it's I, no I, that's not it's not lame because mm. it's not your fault yeah sure. Do you know what i mean lame sort of suggests that there's like that you had something to do with that. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, but that's horrid. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that must it's, have it, been really awful. It, it was bad because, and I think yeah, the reason I almost get embarrassed talking about it because I so don't like to think of myself as a victim, and mm. I I was such a little like, I was such a target for bullying. Do you know what I mean? I was like chubby and like gay and a bit odd and just like effeminate and mm. I, I was I've always been very like legibly queer even before I like came out as gay so I think I was just never going to stand a chance and in retrospect I should have never really gone to this particular school in Newark because it just had a reputation for being right. pretty bad but I had really busy like working class parents who were just like we don't have time to be driving you out of Newark and like the school bus is expensive but then event, I think because I had such a rough time at that school I moved and went to a, a different secondary school outside of Newark and I think my mum was just like okay it's worth it like we'll just so they paid for me to um, it was still like a normal like, just comprehensive school but they would like pay for me to get the bus there and stuff, yeah. which you know was, was expensive for my parents you know yeah. but they it was I'm so glad they did that because I would have <laughs> I would have had the worst time if I'd stayed at that school and so did you did you find like your people did you find like a gang of mates when you went to your new school was it more I don't know were people more sort of open-minded or were there more people like you yeah there were you know what it's really interesting because I've obviously been thinking about this because I knew I was doing this and it's it's interesting when I started that new secondary school I weirdly for the first time and this didn't really last but for the first time ever I had like boy fr- male male friends right, as in yeah. like I made a group God love them I mean I doubt they listen I doubt they remember yeah. I existed but like I made friends with this group of boys who were like lads pro- lads lads no, nerds 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 oh, <laughs> like, nerds, <laughs> like there was such little goobers and they were like <laughs> they were like sub in between a level boys they were like the apps they weren't even cool enough to be those boys you know um and they kind of and it's funny now because I shouldn't be disparaging about them because actually they were incredibly kind to me and I was like the new boy in school and they kind of took me under their wing and and yeah so we were friends for a while none of them were gay and maybe they didn't really know I was gay or whatever um and then when I started doing like when I started doing like GCSE drama that's when I found my gang I think um and we had this it's funny actually because I was thinking about this I was like oh I suppose it's quite unique but like for whatever reason in my like shitty little comprehensive school it was like we there was like a gang of queers like inexplicably like yeah like yeah yeah like a like a weird like kind of did you, i don't know if you how old were you when you came out i should know this no you shouldn't um i, I was 21 so okay. i sort of i'd already moved to london and i already had like a group of friends and i'd or i like who were a bit there weren't actually any queer people in that friendship group but i'm still like best friends with a couple of them now 
But I just sort of knew that they would still like me. Yeah. Because we yeah. were all grown ups. We were all at drama school, so it was a slightly different thing. And I was had a bit of distance from my family, which I think was useful for me in that moment. Yeah, totally. And you're you're from Portsmouth, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Pompey. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you had this at the school that you went to, but do you have any of those kids that like these like magic resilient kids that somehow were out at about the age of like thirteen and you're uh, like, What? Yeah, I've got I've got friends that were those people. Yeah. And I'm like how yeah yeah they were just the so at my school there was and it happened to coincide with the drama group just because i think drama like hoovers up all of the freaks you know because it's like you can just be whoever you want to be really and i there was this group of uh like really like queer or like queer like like ally this like amazing group of kids who all seem to be out from about the age of 12 or 13 and i remember kind of spotting them on my first couple of years at the school and it was the sort of thing where there was maybe a natural rejection of them from me because i was like i think i'm a bit like that but i don't want to be associated with them yeah. because then people will know i'm gay yeah um so but they did drama so eventually our worlds ended up colliding because we all took gcse drama together and it was like and it was a mixture it was like queer girls and queer boys and like and everyone was kind of like quite gender fluidy like it was it was just like a cool group of like lovely freaks who i sometimes think like would we have all been friends were we not queer probably not like it was just like a force outside of ourselves yeah. that just together um and they kind of took me under their wing in a very very kind way because for the, my first like six months of being friends with them i wasn't out either and i think they were just like oh honey <laughs> yeah come on then and we'll we'll wait and then and then i came out and i had these lovely gay friends and it was sort of really special and rare for the kind of school that I went to because it wasn't a very progressive like forward thinking school it was like just a working class comp you know but it was really special that is really special when would that have been how old are you I'm 29 so that would have been around like 2007 2008 around there and it was and it's not this new wave that Mm -mm. we're getting now which is so exciting and liberating like occasionally people get in touch with me and say would you come and speak at our school's LGBT society and I'm like I just love that your school has an LGBT society and that is fantastic yeah totally it's like I have I have a bunch of nephews I have five nephews and they're all like at school now and it's sort of amazing you know them uh, they tell me about their friends like my nephew was telling me he my oldest nephew goes to the school that I went to that I got uh, bullied out of oh wow and he was telling me like that there was um someone in his year who changed to they them pronouns and and i was like oh my god like i just had like a sort of like limp wrist and i got like i i got bullied out of there so it's sort of amazing how much even in those corners of the uk like things are changing but yeah i had this amazing sort of gang and we all kind of like it really changed my life actually like being friends with those people because it was really um liberating and we were very different but and it was drama that brought us together really which is so embarrassing but you know they were a they were a really lovely gang i really feel very uh, fondly towards all of them i think just seeing someone who feels like you mm. is so reassuring mm-hmm. you know there was some when i was younger when i was at school there were a couple of gay guys or guys that i assumed might come out later who did yeah. um, <laughs> that i was friends with but i think i always sort of wanted to be near them just because I was like, well, I want to be in the sort of vicinity of someone that's sort of toying with coming out. Yes. Because their bravery might rub off on me. Oh my God, yes, totally. You want to be in their orbit. That's exactly how I felt. There was this one particular... A uh, boy called Oscar. He might listen to this. He's an actor now. Uh, but there was he. Uh, 
I felt that he was the most confident child I ever met. I mean, he was sort of like a, like a, a cartoon of like a precocious child. Like yeah. he, was, he was sort of amazing. He was so brave. And he was one of those that was out from when he was in like year eight or something insane like that. And he... and everyone liked him and i don't think he got that much shit there was just something a very like nourishing and like empowering about being around him and we and i as i said we were sort of like circling each other for a while and i was like I, and, and as I say, when I first met him, I was like, oh, God, no, oh, God, no, Oscar's way too much. Do you know what I mean? Because I recognise myself yeah. in him, you know? And then we became friends and it was a really, and we still sometimes keep in touch. And it was a really, you know, special friendship. And we were both like the little, you know, drama boys in our, the little gay drama boys. And we would do, we would write sketches together and do them in assembly. And like, it was a very like special friendship. And we both went off to drama school and... Yeah, I, I'm very grateful for that gang, even if we're not like as a part of each other's lives anymore. Like, they, it was very like formative for me to be part of that little that little gay gang. <laughs> that oh, it's just nice that it existed. Mm. And so you just said you went on to drama school. I did, yeah. After that, so did you? And we've spoken about this quite a lot on the show before. Did you come to London for drama school? I went. To, I went to Guildford. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Where, when, where did you go? I, did... I went to Aura, which oh. was like yeah. Yeah. It feels like a hundred years ago that I went. I'm so old now. But, <laughs> I loved I auditioned now. I really want I loved Aura. Yeah, it was really so cool. I, I had such a great time there. It was such a I think sort of what you're saying about your little gay gang at school, although it wasn't a little gay gang, I did it was a place where I could work out who I was and yeah. it was a place where I for the first time ever I felt like I was good at something. Oh my god, yeah. Which is like so important I think like I, I obviously like outside of school I had hobbies where I would do bits of drama and I'd do bits of acting and and do dancing classes and things like that but at drama school I think like knowing that you'd been like chosen to go somewhere Ooh. just felt so it just felt really special to be like oh I'm good enough to be here and all yeah. these other people and we've all worked really hard to mm-hmm. audition and be in this place and so I think that I guess that push of confidence was also part of what took me towards, you know, accepting myself. But this podcast isn't about me. I, oh, mean, I wish it was. Ways. I'm so fascinated. <laughs> <laughs> Although you went to Guildford rather than London, was there part of you that was sort of thinking, I must leave Newark, I must get out, I need to be in a bigger place, I need to be in a different place? For sure. Yeah. I was really, really chomping at the bit to leave. I think had I not, got into drama school and I was really lucky I got a scholarship it was why I was able Mm. to go but like had I had I not I sort of don't know what I would have done because I really did put all my eggs in one basket and I was clever at school and I could have I remember the school set me down and they were trying to encourage me to try and go and do English at Cambridge and I really I really didn't want to because I just had it in my head that I wanted to go to drama school and and I don't know what I would have done had I not got in because I was I was so desperate to leave Newark it just wasn't it wasn't a place built for like a boy like me to thrive you know and it might have changed now and I you know I, I hope that it has and even being there recently shooting the show I'm like yeah things feel different it feels like the dials moved slightly and are your family still there my, most of my family are my parents actually this is crazy because my mum's lived there her entire life but they actually just moved down south they live in Devon now they're doing oh. like seasonal work it's very sweet they like warden together on caravan parks <laughs> that is I mean that's another sick <laughs> I know I know I do think I'm like god I've got to stop milking my entire life but I will write something about it because I think it's so sweet um, and they just they're obsessed with each other they love each other dearly but yeah so they they move but like my brother like all of my like aunties uncles all of my cousins all of like my nephews they're all still there so I saw a lot of family when I was there and and I think it is changing slightly but I I 
had to get out. My God, I, I was so excited to leave. And, and did you leave at 18? Yeah, I did. Same. I did. And it was like, I, I really, really specifically remember... Like, like it's like a uh, scene out of a film. I really remember, like, the car when my parents were moving me into uni halls, and the car like driving away from Newark, and just like, oh, going on, to, going onto the A1, onto the motorway, and just seeing like Newark disappear in the background. Oh, I just got goosebumps thinking about it because I was just like, I did it. Like, I got out. You know, like I, I managed it. Um, and it was like the, it's like the proudest moment of my life is that I managed to. And you know, it's no shade on Newark at all. Like, plenty of people stay there and have a lovely time, but I just had to leave. And were you out at this point? Yes, I was. I came out when I was 16. Yeah. But a, a thousand percent because I was friends with that group. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't have, I think I probably would have just waited until I got to drama school yeah. had I not had that group. I, I came out, this is a, a thread from Newt Newt that's sort of autobiographical as well, is that, you know, that really long summer you have between your GCSEs and your A-levels, you get that like weird yeah. three-month summer. In that summer, I remember being like, well, I'm going back to sixth form after this. And I was just sort bored I was like well I might as well and, and I had all these gay friends I was like I might as well try and squeeze some <laughs> drama out of this um, so I, I just I came, I came out in that summer and with the help of those friends and so I, I was I was like out I mean I was such a little like virgin loser like it wasn't like I was like hooking and fucking and sucking like I was just like I was just like an absolute loser uh, but yeah I I'm, um, I I was out and I'm so glad I went to drama school when I was out so did you obviously you went through drama school mm-hmm. still in the yeah. in the I came out in the second year. So I was 20. I came out in the second year of drama school. Right. I actually, when I went to drama school, I had a boyfriend. I mean, listen. You did? Oh my God. Between year one and year two, there was a real shift. (laughs) (gasps) Oh my God, I love it. I'm guessing you went to drama school like there were other queer people in your year. Do you know what? There weren't that many and there were no, I think there was one queer girl um, who I wasn't really, who wasn't really in my friendship group. And then there was one guy who was out and another guy that was that was showing signs. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> Exhibiting the signs. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he came out much later. Yeah. To no one's surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, of course, he had to take his own time to do it as well. Yeah, I don't think that it was... I, I worked in a bar and there was a gay... There was a girl that worked in the bar that was gay that was very comfortable with herself. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I knew that they were gay. I knew that they were happy gay men. I knew that gay men existed. Yeah. I knew they were happy. But I thought, and I think I've probably said this before, but I remember thinking, like, I guess there's like twenty lesbians. Yeah, like, because <laughs> there is such a lack of representation on the television. And I think it's getting better, but ever so slowly. Mm. Um, and there's always been so much more male gay voices, which is important and, and need to be there. Um, I would just love some some women's voices to be there as well, queer women's voices. But I knew that people like Graham Norton exist. Yeah. And I knew that there was this sort of fun jolliness to being a gay man. Yes, totally. And I'd never seen... I think that's why I'm so so in love with stand-up because I love being a funny gay woman Mm. in the way that I watched funny gay men like Paul O'Grady. And I was sort of obsessed with men like that. But and so I think I met this, this gay girl that worked in a pub who ended up having like a bit of, fl- of a fling with. <gasps> oh, I love it. Imagine. And and just thinking she was, you know, she, she managed a bar and she was happy and she was, I think her family was sort of fine with it. It just wasn't sad. Yeah. And I guess I had been, I, th- I basically thought that if, if you were a lesbian, you had to be like really posh. Because <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, I think yeah. that's because of Claire Boarding and Sandy Toxford. <laughs> I was like, well, my dad just had his tooth kicked out by a horse. So yeah, I guess, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I guess we don't fall into that category. Totally. But yeah, I think seeing, I think seeing people that are like, 
and I guess it's why I do this podcast because I, I seeing people that are happy and gay I think is so important and you know not just gay you know every element of the lgbtqia plus rainbow spectrum whatever you want to call it i think seeing people that are thriving oh my god it's, it's crucial it's crucial and it's and it's like it's like your lifeblood yeah when you're like trying to it's like the air when mm-hmm. you're like cause it feels like for me like when i wasn't out like swimming like oh god i'm gonna have mm-hmm. to get up for air in a minute i don't know how i'm gonna do it mm-hmm. i know exactly what you mean i think i've always felt like that as well because i do just <laughs> identify as like quite a happy sound like yeah. you know settled gay person i've always really felt the call to like really make that very open and clear mm. because it's like you know there are you know there are beautiful pieces of like queer art about like suffering and trauma and those are totally valid and i've of enjoyed course. many of them but also it's like like queer joy is just really really important because yeah. I, I i maybe i had the same thing as you as growing up i just didn't think there was such a thing as having like a happy life as a, as a gay person yeah. i just didn't think that was something that was like available to me um and i think maybe being working class is I was uh, about yeah to ask mm-hmm. do you think that the work like being working class and being from that sort of you know as you said before that town that sort of felt like the country forgot yeah yeah yeah. like was that do you think that was like an added thing on top of your sort of queerness i think so yeah i really think so i because and and i say all of this fully in the knowledge that like it was my like little the like little teenage judgmental like rat in my brain thinking all of this but it was like i i just i remember thinking like i don't want to be like like some like small town gay do you know what I mean I don't want to be like because the only sort of representation I'd seen is like sad <laughs> I yeah, don't want to be like, like little Britain yes exactly I, like... I don't want to be some tragic figure yeah. I think that's what I thought because I was a really happy kid and I, I think I was like well if it means I have to have like a sad chaotic life then I don't want it whereas um, if there was like a gay character that was really happy mm-hmm. in like, you know, I'm not saying that a sitcom should have had it, but if there was that in, you know, a classic family British sitcom where you're like, oh, and then there's just two gay guys and they're happy and they have this sort of nice life and everyone likes them. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been like, oh, maybe it's not tragic to be a small town gay. Totally. Because the, but the only representation you're seeing is, you know, yeah. something that feels quite sad. Well, exactly. And I remember the, the only time I'd seen like a working class gay person on TV. The, well, the only time I can remember seeing it was in Shameless. One of the brothers is gay in that. And I remember that sort of blew my mind. And obviously Shameless is like a very specific tone. I really loved that mm. show growing up. But maybe it said like the pilot or the second episode, there's like a gay sex scene. And it was the first time I'd ever seen gay. And obviously my eyes like bulged out my fucking head. <laughs> and that show really, uh, it, it's tragic in its own way. And it's like he comes out and it... it I suppose his family sort of accept him actually, so maybe it was quite important for me to watch. I I really loved it. I do remember that that group of gays that I used to be friends with. The girls in that group. Did you ever used to watch that show Lip Service? Oh yeah. Oh my god, I loved it. So they turned me on to it. And I remember the genuine unbridled like buzzing joy and excitement that they had like a show that they felt represented yeah. them and they would every week they would watch it and, and then we would come in and we would sit in the drama room and like discuss that week's episode and it was like because it, as you say there was so little representation for queer women at mm. the time it was like the fact that there was like a gay show with like cool gay women like yeah, having sex with each other and they were hot and they were like had sex lives and jobs cool city jobs and like <laughs> yeah. and it was uh, and I, a sex life and a job yeah yeah, can How you believe you it? <laughs> she can have it all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just remember like they were like buzzing about mm. that show and, and it's sort of one of the first times I remember like, oh yeah, representation's like huge because it's like it's the only gay show they've ever watched apart from maybe like the L word, but it yeah. was like lip service was British and like yeah, yeah. The L word always felt so you know, I loved it at one point, but like it felt 
so like everyone was like unbelievably hot like <laughs> living in Hollywood everyone had like it was like it was like oh Shane hasn't got a lot of money and then it's like oh no now she's gonna become a hairdresser to the stars yeah and you're yeah, like oh, okay yeah. now she's really wealthy as well <laughs> yeah yeah and just like living these like maybe it was that because it was really a hopeful yeah example of what well it's aspirational of, isn't it you think like for, I could yeah. you know I could I could be a you know whatever hair size to the stars yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah exactly <laughs> which is not how it panned out but yeah I it's interesting I think the maybe the one thing that st- stopped like gay representation kind of like penetrating my brain is because I, I because I was a, a chubby boy <laughs> growing up I was I was always really overweight I was a really overweight teenager and child always, I just always was I was a big baby like I've always been big and there was something about every gay man on TV and still sort of this is one of the only things like I, I'm very aware that like gay men are doing fine representation wise mm. like white gay men are doing grand but there is still a slightly exhausting thing where I'm like why does ev- why is everyone like absolutely gorgeous yeah. with perfect bodies and it's one of the things I am, I will say, proud of about Newark Newark is that we've got like just a normal, like, I and Jai will not mind me saying this, just like a normal size, like a normal yeah. sweet boy with a, a sweet round face. Like he's, a, he's yeah. so gorgeous and perfect for that role and really looks like I did as a teenager. And I'm so glad we've got that representation because that would have been really important for me because I think because I was so insecure in my body and I, you know, it's so boring, but I, I, de- no, it's not. I developed an eating disorder at drama school and I think that was like the manifestation of me trying to look like what I thought gay men should look like. So I was like, I'm at drama school now, I'm out. So it's time for me to actually start looking like a gay man should. So I lost like so much weight and I wish... What, they- what are we, we, we're like dramatic when people looked at you, they were like, oh, wow, you've really... Yeah changed yeah really it was crazy yeah i i think and so much of that was like tied up in like queerness and feeling i was like okay i'm out but i feel incredibly asexual i feel really desexualized yes. um because i'd only ever seen like gorgeous like adonis yes. men on tv and i was like well i know i'm not that so i was like well my only other option is to probably just get really thin because <laughs> i knew you know i just knew like st- straight but you know like twinky I, I was like maybe i'll try and look like that and i lost i mean just an absurd amount of weight when I was at drama school very very quickly as well um, and it was at the time I wasn't like I have an eating disorder it was only like in retrospect that I look back at it now and I'm like oh wow I really wasn't very well at the time that must have been exhausting though because drama school was knackering yeah. for me and I was eating everything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually through, I actually went through a chubby phase while I was there <laughs> oh my god you did yeah. congrats <laughs> um, but I mean don't get me wrong Nurses have it harder. But <laughs> I will say, when you're at drama school, uh, you do sort of have... It's like, for us, we had to like get there at 8, have like... Or 8.30, I think we used to have limbering, whatever that yeah, was, sure. for half an hour. Yeah, yeah, Where you basically just had to be on campus and sort stretch. stretch. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stretch and like make sure you had like your, your plays in your bag. Yeah. And then it was the whole day. You'd have an hour for lunch, but it was all the way until six. It wasn't like uni where you like pop in for a lecture if you can be bothered. Yeah, like, yeah. Ours was full on, which was the same. Yes, very much so. And I, you must yeah. be knackered. I was really exhausted and I think you because you're burning so much energy yeah. at drama school. It's so like frenetic and, mm. and mad and like kinetic and and I, yeah, I just, I basically had about maybe like two, year and a half, two years where I just, I sort of just didn't eat. Like I just stopped eating and I would like, would skip meals and stuff like that and, and I lost 
a lot of weight very because i saw results very quickly so mm. i was like oh amazing um i'll just keep going with this and that i did i had a bit of a rough time at drama school i didn't love it and it was the first time i got really praised by teachers and stuff like that because they were like nathan you look incredible and i just kept going and going and going to the point where eventually like my best friends at the time that i was living with were like <laughs> you, you've got to stop i remember there was one very good teacher who pulled me aside and was like I, you know, I know you've been trying to lose weight and well done if that's what you wanted to do, but um, you shouldn't lose any more, I don't think. At the time, I was like, I, I felt very embarrassed by that because I was like, well, I'm not thin. So everyone's like losing that. And looking back on it, I was really tiny. I, yeah. I And I, I old photos now, I sort of don't look at them anymore because it makes me kind of sad <laughs> because I think I just look at him and I'm like, oh God, I wish someone could just tell him like, you'll be fine and like i i don't know i don't know what i want to say to my old self i just want him to eat a meal yeah. <laughs> you know but uh and and that was and, and that's not just it's not like that's like queer culture's fault necessarily but it did feel weirdly tied up in me just trying to look like what i thought an attractive gay man looked like you know oh yeah of course yeah. and i think that's something obviously there has been a lot of representation of gay men which is fantastic but you know i also know from gay male friends that have said like they felt they maybe couldn't be as naturally camp as they wanted to mm -hmm. be because that was something that was always sent up on television. Yeah. Or if they were camp, there would be other gay men that were like, I don't go for camp, guys. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. you know, all of that sort of, those sort of power plays within the gay community, which I'm not sure, I'm sure does happen within lesbian communities. But I think because we've never had like lesbian spaces in the same way of like gay male spaces, like, yeah. you know, clubs where you might wear, I don't know, a harness. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, because the, there's just never been that because because i mean i don't know why a sweeping generalization maybe because some of us have settled down and, well i think uh, it's also you're maybe not um like just under the male gaze at all so no one's being like wouldn't it be good if you made your body smaller do you know yeah. what i mean it's like you don't have that weird like male pressure yeah and i'm sure no i mean sure i'm sure, I'm sure it be, does exist yeah but... of course and i'm sure there'll be lesbians listening thinking oh well you know or i felt like that or certainly i think that a, a sort of a lesbian spin on it might be women that are butch and like being butch and want to be butch and there's just no butch girls yeah. on on TV Certainly or there yeah or there might be there might be people that are non-binary that are more sort of male presenting or traditionally male presenting you know what we assume a gay person should look like mm. can be really claustrophobic yeah. it can really box you in and now obviously you're I mean we haven't even had a chance to talk about the fact that you're in this new pirate comedy oh my god I mean it feels very exciting it's a HBO Max show hey yeah I mean it's sort of the craziest thing that's ever did you have to go to America to and like... yeah I did I filmed in LA oh my for god like America yeah America you've heard of it <sighs> yeah, oh my it was... god you've been there and it was, yeah. was it great fun it was it was loads of fun it's like I, I so because I didn't enjoy drama school really and mm. had a bit of a weird time there I kind of really like turned my back on acting <laughs> no one cares <laughs> back on literally what like nothing. but I, I i said i wasn't gonna act anymore i didn't want to do it anymore and and then because i started making the twitter videos that you very kind of yeah. mentioned earlier is that where it's all come from yeah baby oh, yeah yeah because I, like, I wish i was funnier in moments on the internet <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's truly not a skill anyone should hone really it's so stupid but i uh yeah i started making those videos and it was never with the this might sound overly modest but i was not doing it to get discovered like i really was just putting those videos 
videos online because I thought they were funny. Like I didn't have an acting yeah, agent. Or really I wasn't. In, I just wanted to be a comedy writer. And then um, the uh, so Taika Waititi directed the pilot of yeah. the show, and he's an exact producer on it. And when they were casting, I think my American writing agents kind of got in touch with me, and they were like, "We've got a self tape for this. Do you want to audition for this Taika Waititi show?" And I was like, "I mean, yeah." Okay. yeah like sure. I was like, "Yeah, I'll give it a go." And I got it, which is sort of the luckiest thing that's ever happened to me, really. Oh no, uh, it's not lucky. It's oh, like well. you're really funny. Thanks, mate. I, I re- you know what? I really had a nice time doing it. And it was actually great because I was a little bit worried about going to act because I was like, I'm going to start thinking about the way that I look again. I'm going to really start caring about all of that. And the great, I got to play gay in that show. I'm gay in it. And there's a, I have a relationship and uh, no one ever made me feel weird about the way that I look. I was like, you know, it, it's Hollywood, whatever. I think mm. I had like a monstrous image of what it might be in my head. And I had a great time and, yeah. I, and I really enjoyed it. And I, I think the show's good. And I, I hope people like it. You know, it, it was a really cool experience. And I feel very, you, know, you get to a certain point in your 20s where you feel like you just like dropped into yourself a little bit. I feel I feel like I've had that in the past couple of years, which is nice. That's great. Oh, Well, that brings us to the final question of the show. Go. You've listened to the show, so you know what it is. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm thinking about that version of Nathan that was uh, maybe when you met Oscar mm-hmm. at school, but you were like, I'm not like him. I don't don't want anyone to know that I'm like him. And you were dealing with that. If you could reach out to that guy and say something or give him some words of encouragement or someone that's listening at home that is feeling similar, what would you say? I think I would say keep going. Because there were times where I felt like, oh, what's the point in this? Life seems so hard. (laughs) Um, But I would say keep going. Don't let anyone like dim your light i think i've always been really blessed with like a kind of uh, unshakable like inner confidence and i would say really hold on to that because that's special not everyone is that privileged mm. i'd say uh be easier on your parents maybe they're really trying their best and i would say you're, you're honestly gonna be fine and you're gonna lead such a nice life like such a nice good happy joyful fulfilling life and even though that might feel so out of your reach right now you're gonna have the best time and you're gonna um you're gonna become a really rounded happy person and that might not feel within your grasp right now but it definitely it definitely is that's perfect absolutely perfect mm. and by the way i hope that you know like you look great now. oh thanks mate that's but, no, really but, nice. but i think the reason that you look great is because you're happy yeah do you know what i mean like you radiate happiness and joyfulness and you can't help but look great oh that's such an that's a, an incredibly kind thing to say i really appreciate oh, I think it it's true oh thanks, thanks mate. mate there we are i loved that chat i really hope you did too as ever if you want to get in touch with me you can the email is hello at with i always want to hear from you and until next week bye bye <laughs>